0: Desire, a force from which are born such dangerously powerful emotions as envy, lust, greed, contempt. Amplified by the reverberations of the strange Mirari artifact, this force grips in hysteria the continent Otaria on the plain of Dominaria. Its people, driven mad with desire, slaughter one another, raise cities to debris, and blanket the countryside in consuming flames. Otaria is left devastated by war instigated through avariciousness for the Mirari. But what exactly is this tantalizing artifact? How does it possess all who gaze upon its polished surface, and what deadly strength lies beneath? To answer, we must discover and understand the events surrounding Otaria and Dominaria's past. Let's dive in. Karn, Silver Golem. Creation of Urza and newly ascended Planeswalker is continually haunted by Phyrexian nightmares in the century following the dark god Yagmoth's defeat at the hands of the Weatherlight Coalition. Paranoia consumes him and Karn resolves never again to let such evil manifest in the multiverse. From his seat on the artificial plane of Argentum, Karn casts a wide net of vigilant observation. He seeds myriad planes with spherical artifacts intended to survey these vibrant worlds and relay constant information to his bastion. With such knowledge and oversight, Karn believes no threat will arise that he is blind to, and that he'll act before it gains impetus. One of these probes is hurtled through the blind eternities towards Dalmanaria, where it crashes into Otaria's hardened earth. But its journey twists the probe's function, a great defect that supercharges it with mana and latent potential, imbuing it with some intangible aura akin to a personality. It slowly gains the insidious ability to peer into the souls of those around and cast their deepest desires in reflective visions along its surface. It gains hold over its possessor, slowly twisting their ambitions and corrupting their minds to disastrous effect. Many on Otaria, as is evident in the saga of the Murari Conjecture, have no inkling as to its origin or purpose. For much time, the sphere remains hidden, but chainer, A young dementia mage, an acolyte within Otaria's black-aligned cabal faction, happens upon its smooth, glittering surface. With it in his hands, Chainer sees in its polish his own image, feels power pulsing within. Like a siren call, the artifact whispers promises, urges him to use it to realize his desire. Chainer... Though young and uninitiated in the world, resists its allure and, believing himself unworthy to wield it, returns with the artifact to Cabal City as a gift to further ingratiate himself with the leading Cabal Patriarch. Chainer's superiors within the corrupt organization, upon witnessing the pristine object, see it will make a fine addition to the hoard of treasures already in their possession and reserved as prize winnings for an upcoming pit fight within their gladiator coliseums. The pit fights of Cabal City are performed on a grand scale, mythological entertainment that draw crowds from across Otaria as well as members from the five conflicting factions who seek advancement over one another in every realm possible. The Cabal name the artifact the Mirari and stow it for safekeeping within their vaults. We see this illustrated in the card Cabal coffers, the text of which hints at its latent power and the devastation to come. Deep within the Cabal's vault... The Mirari pulsed like a dead sun, and its darkness radiated across Otaria. What next unfolds is a sequence of events highlighting the strength of the Mirari's thrall that culminates in violent war and much destruction wrought on the continent. The Mirari promises great things to its bearer. It shows them not what they truly desire, but all they can achieve if they submit to its influence. It seduces with visions born from taking a color of mana to its absolute extreme. Perhaps hinting at the device's own defective origins as completely embracing a warped color of mana to the exclusion of all others leads to imbalance, instability, and disorder. Therefore, its very foundation is one of failure. The artifact tempts with a vibrant ideal, but unattainable and wrapped in destruction. Through this method, it consumes the hearts and minds of five Otarian leaders, each affiliated with a color of mana and a faction that constantly engage in struggle. The Merari's allure is showcased in a five-card cycle in which it reveals to these creatures their untold desires. But nothing is without its price, and absolute power corrupts as such. The first to succumb is the Avon kurtar member of the wide-aligned order. The militaristic and religious order concerns itself with purging from Otaria unnatural artifacts and corrupt baubles as leftover remnants of Phyrexia's invasion. Prideful and arrogant, Kurtar frequently competes in pit fights to win artifacts that his Order, still fearful of the long dead Phyrexians, then destroy. The lieutenant proves his mettle in Cabal City and basks in the victor's spoils, singling out the Mirari from within the Horde. Intending to bring it before Order clerics for disenchantment, as he holds the sphere, Kurtar is overcome not with desire to destroy it, but to use the Mirari and its power to safeguard his people. The Mirari feeds off Kurtar's vanity and glorious pursuits, promising he will earn righteous fame amongst the Order, that he will be seen as a savior if he unleashes its potential against his enemies. But the artifact quickly works to twist his mind beyond reason and bring him into conflict with his own comrades, Captain Piana and Major Taro, who realize the darkness afflicting Kurtar's soul. Exiled from the Order's northern citadel, the Avon organizes a coup to take by force what his companions denied him, utilizing his newly acquired artifact. Out of haste, Kurtar casts a spell of petrifying crystals, but to his horror, the Avon is unable to contain the Marari Field spell, and his hubris calcifies much of the Order's soldiers, seen in the art of Kurtar's wrath. The crystallization spell consumes the Avon himself, and Kurtar is killed within the tumultuous chaos. At a stroke, the Order has been dealt a serious blow, and its lands are soon set upon by enemies within and without. From his calcified remains the Merari tumbles to the earth, satisfied with the consumption of one victim. The cursed Merari artifact falls next into the possession of Merfolk Laquatus, an ambassador for Emperor Abishan, who rules the Cephalid Mare Empire beneath Otaria's waves. The Mare Empire controls much of the ocean around the continent and has grown fat on the taxes gathered by maritime tides enforced on trade. Paranoia firmly plants itself within Aboshan's mind, who fears the surface dwellers will reduce his empire to nothing, who fears he will lose the station and power that he so meticulously gathered. To mitigate this, the Cephalid dreams of inundating the land above and seeks a magical artifact with strength to actuate his desire which we hear in the flavor text of Deluge. From the sea came all life, and to the sea it will return. The sooner the better. Abashan finds it in the Merari brought to him by Laquatus. The pristine orb grants him visions of Otarius submerged in a Deluge and of his empire reaching great heights of conquest. The Merari pulses with power, and Abashan pours into it mana to cast a great spell. On the horizon, a massive surf builds momentum. Crashes into Otaria and submerges a third of the continent in forcefully destructive waves. But, like Kurtar, Abashan is unable to control the Marari's spell, which proceeds to devastate his imperial seat in lashes of mana and consumes the Cephalid entirely. Its raw force surges through the Mare Empire, raising buildings, killing thousands, toppling the once great kingdom from its illustrious heights. While Cephalid Empire and coastal towns dissolve, while the order crumbles from within, Aquatus continues to follow the Mirari's continental journey, but he isn't the only one. The barbarian pit fighter Kamal, who had observed the Mirari only in passing during Colosseum fights, also has a strong curiosity over the artifact. Wary Desire pulls the barbarian across Otaria as it does the Murfolk, and both constantly follow the destructive wake of the captivating orb. By now, the Mirari's tantalizing legend circulates through Otaria as does its significant danger a cursed artifact that has devastated two great factions. The Warped Probe soon returns to the Cabal and their devious Black-aligned Patriarch. The Patriarch heeds tales of the Marari and exercises caution, entrusting it once more to Chainer, who seemed to have innate resistance against its enthralling aura when first discovered. For a time, Chayner uses the Merari sparingly to promote Cabal and individual interests as he gains further renown within the pit fights of Cabal City and further favor from his masters but the Mirari's relentless call soon corrupts the adept. Jealousy for the Patriarch fills him as does desire to usurp Cabal leadership and rule a vast empire. Feverish visions stream from the Mirari, spur Chainer to action. Finally succumbing to its call, he uses the artifact to attack the Patriarch's seat of power. Unable to fully defeat the first of the Cabal, Chainer exiles him to the city of Afedo. Chainer's tenure as Cabal leader is brief, for order soldiers strike the city, they seek revenge for the dementia master's slaughter of their general tarot, which we see illustrated in the card Chainer's Edict. Onslaught consumes city streets as cabalists and Order soldiers engage in conflict. With each side engaged in a gruesome bloody stalemate, Chainer turns to the Mirari, pulsing in his hands, and calls upon the artifact to pull from dementia space myriad insatiable and grotesque nightmares. Horrors and beasts are pour forth from Chainer's Mirari Field spell and spill into the streets, flaying all in their path. The barbarian Kamal, once a friend of Chainer's, arrives in the city and urges the spell's termination. Now, it's too late. Chainer quickly loses control, and as the Mirari pulses with dark power, its consuming maelstrom expands, transforming the dementia caster's own body into that of a twisted abomination, which is brilliantly captured by the saga Chainer's Torment. The Dementia Master, no longer in command of his creation or spell, is devoured by the irresistible Merari. He calls out to Kamal to end his suffering, who with a heavy heart obliges, ramming his greatsword through Chainer's heart. Cabal City lies in ruin, destroyed like the Order in Mare Empire by the cursed artifact. It has no master, but possessed of a willful mind, it's not long without a pawn. The Merari soon calls to the red-aligned pit fighter and barbarian from mountainous Pardia, Kamal. The warrior has just witnessed firsthand the corrupting and destructive nature of the orb. Intent on halting its trail of devastation, Kamal nonetheless finds himself unable to shake its lure. During his travels back to his mountainous lands, it projects visions of a united and vibrant Pardia, with all barbarian clans harmoniously collaborating under Kamal's magnanimous leadership. Delirium stains the barbarian's mind, he is resisted in his ambition by his own sister Jessica and his mentor Balthor, who realize the folly in his plan, who are aware of the strange possession overtaking Kamal. As darkness grips him, they urge him to relinquish his desire, but the Marari’s insidious grip is already firmly planted. His mind is not his own. Rage consumes the barbarian who lashes out at Jessica with his large blade, the pommel of which has been recently adorned with a spherical artifact. Their fight is brief but conclusive. Kamal overpowers his sister and in a blind fury mortally wounds Jessica. The trauma of this moment evokes significant emotion and the barbarian is freed from the Marari for a short period of lucidity. Severed from its influence, he wallows in complete realization of his failure. Grieved by his actions, wrapped in pain, Kamal journeys to the Krosan Forest to save Jeska and rid himself of the Marari. While in Otaria's dense thicket, Aquatus, the merfolk who had been silently stalking the artifact in its tempestuous journey, attacks the barbarian in an attempt to steal the merari for his own machinations. In the ensuing fight, Kamal impales the merfolk with his Marari sword and drives it deep into the earth, an action that breaks completely its sway over him. We see a repentant and victorious Kamal relinquish his old, violence stained ways in the illustration of Kamal's druidic vow, the flavor text of which reads, Centuries ago, a barbarian laid his rage to rest. We see him embrace peace to steady his soul and strengthen his mind. He shakes off the red-aligned barbarian's rage and instead cultivates a green-aligned druidic view of the world, meditating on his past sins. With the Merari now cast into Croesus’ isolated woodlands, it seems Otaria is finally free from its destructive thrall. But danger looms on the horizon and the artifact's power is not so easily staved. A short time later, Otaria finds itself engulfed in war, in chaos and violence. Already has the Mirari destroyed four great factions and untethered the continent's political stability. Now, agitated and restless souls are stirred to ire. Acroma, the angelic vision created by master illusionist Ixidor, launches a righteous crusade against Phage the Untouchable and her cabal minions. Ixidor's love was killed by the vile Phage, and to enact vengeance, the resplendent Chroma was born. Forces of light and darkness clash across the countryside. Meanwhile, the offshore independent Riptide Laboratory, whose scientists experiment on reviving the wildly dangerous and invasive hive mind species known as slivers, lose control of their facility and are overrun by the swarm, which we hear hinted at in the card's flavor text. Working with the best of intentions, its researchers unwittingly unleashed a plague of troubles upon Dominaria. The slivers are highly adaptable and propagate with a vigor that is difficult to contain. They breach the lab's defenses and spill out across the continent. Like locusts, they descend upon Otaria with an insatiable hunger, the devastation of which we hear in the flavor text of Blade sliver. After breaking free from the Riptide project, the slivers quickly adapted to life on Otaria, much to the dismay of life on Otaria. As these events cast the continent into an uncertain and broiled future, a strange aura permeates Krosa. Its peoples and creatures take on bizarre mutations. Magic grows increasingly powerful and erratic. Aggression, derangement, hostility twist minds. The Krosan forest feels the effects caused by the Marari, whose pulsating energy seeps from Kamal's buried sword into the surrounding land. This is illustrated in the first printing of the card Marari's Wake, whose flavor text hints by stating, The land drank power from the Marari." as though it had thirsted forever. Plant and animal life throughout Krosa are warped by the Marari, and its siren call urges them towards it like moss to a flame, which is highlighted in cards such as Vexing Beetle and Centaur Glade, which reads, The Marari called to the centaurs, and all who heard it were forever changed. Soon, the artifact's aura extends beyond Krosa's confines and envelops all of Otaria. Magic grows unstable, mutations grow more extreme, it's a force few can resist. We see the Mirari's widespread effect in the cycle of Invoker cards displaying mutated, empowered creatures from all walks of life. Otaria teeters on the very edge of cataclysm, the flames of which are fanned by the emergence of Corona, a false god and avatar of Dominaria, whose mere presence drains the land of life and mana. Born from the merged essences of Achroma, Phage, and a third individual, Corona is mentally unstable spiritually untethered and physically unstoppable. She believes herself a deity and launches a crusade of conquest to subjugate Otaria. Her splendor is so great that millions bend the knee without resistance, but several strong-willed factions hold against her influence. Wracked by war, natural disaster, sliver infestation, and now corona, the continent has one foot already in the grave. The now druid Kamal, decides his newfound pacifism is misplaced in light of events, and decides he must act. The only way to save his homeland is to once more rely on the dangerous allure, the corrupting influence of the Mirari. The warrior tricks deep into Krosa's mutated interior where all manner of grotesque abominations lurk to retrieve his blade. Aquatus's decayed corpse has overgrown to cover the Marari sword and is reanimated through vile magic into a shambling zombie that immediately lunges towards Kamal. With agility and cunning, Aquatus is again dispatched and the old blade extricated from and Earth to once again fall into Kamal's fierce grip. Now, however, the barbarian has steeled his mind against the orb's emanating whispers and Kamal resists the Marari's thrall. Armed with its immense power, he hopes to confront Corona and save Otaria from oblivion. Much to his dismay, Kamal learns a terrible truth. His sister Jessica lives on within the Corona avatar. Killing the false god might free Jessica or end her life. Without option, he aims to liberate her from her prison and confronts Corona. The two launch into devastating attacks against each other. He equipped with the pulsating Mirari, she in command of Dominaria's primordial mana. The god proves too much for even the Mirari to compete, and Kamal is defeated. But just as Corona secures victory, she is betrayed by her underlings, who plunge the sword into her back, slaying her. Corona's death by the artifact field blade unleashes a torrent of pent-up mana that explodes across Otaria. In its aftermath, Jessica is released from her prison, and her latent planeswalker spark ignites, saving her from almost certain death, which is illustrated in the planeswalker card, Jessica, thrice reborn. In the wake of such an explosive release of mana, Karn, the Mirari's creator, arrives from Argentum and surveys the landscape. His artifact, intended merely as a probe, has rent Otaria, utterly destroyed its civilizations, and led to interminable conflict. Words can do little to apologize for the carnage caused, but Karn resolves not to let the Mirari's dark influence further stain Dominaria. In the text of its second rendition, Mirari's wake hints at its lingering power. Even after a false god tore the magic from Dominaria, power still radiated from the Mirari sword that slew her. Karn takes the malfunctioning probe and returns to Argentum. Back on his artificial world, Karn melts down the Mirari and shapes its metal into a sentient golem charged with the role of Argentum's warden in the planeswalker's absence. Like the artifact from which it's formed, this golem is cursed by terrible malfunction and contamination. Unbeknownst to Carn, small droplets of Phyrexian oil remain inside his heartstone and have spilled onto Argentum. Mixing with the metal of the plane, a slow process of corruption, a vile transformation, grips Argentum. The first stirrings of phyresis are felt. The oil contagion infects Carn's warden and plagues it with self-consciousness, individuality, ambition, and madness. It names itself Memnarch, and with the Mirari's latent power coursing through his metal carapace, wrests control of Argentum from Karn. A barrier is cast that envelops Argentum and prevents the Planeswalker from returning. Twisted by desire born from the Mirari and maddened by the Phyrexian contagion, Memnarch terraforms Argentum into Miridin and transports thousands of souls captured from other planes. His dark desire, whether spurred by the Marari or by the Phyrexian contagion, is to acquire a Planeswalker spark. And ascend to godlike status. To do so, he scours the local population, harvesting their souls and experimenting on them to activate a latent spark. The double dose of Merari and glistening oil twists Memnarch into a dangerously powerful recluse consumed by megalomania and wrapped in dark steel behind his fortress walls of Panopticon. Despite his immense power, Memnarch's ambition is thwarted by the actions of Glissa Sunseeker, Slobad, and Bosch Iron Golem during the events of the original Mirrodin block. The crazed golem is slain, which obliterates the interfering aura surrounding Mirrodin that disrupts planeswalking. In a flash, the silver golem reappears and reverses much of the death caused by his wayward warden. Karn is grieved by solemn burden and regret. Twice have his creations led to wanton suffering. Twice does he feel he must repent. Karn melts Memnarch's carapace and extracts the Mirari artifact before entrusting its care to the gathered heroes. This is the last that is seen or heard of the dangerous artifact for some time. Through a return to Myriden, the rise of Phyrexia, an interplanar invasion, nothing more than hearsayers reported. It could be said fortuitously. If Phyrexia had access to the Marari's great power, their abominations of metal, perhaps inoculated from its siren call, may very well have succeeded in the march of the machine. But how could so precious a weapon evade the scrutiny of Elish Norn and the other Phyrexian praetors? There's a flash of possibility, a hint at the Merari's current form or charge in the peculiar mirror construct, Ertet, remnant of Memnarch. The name of this diminutive creature suggests it's derived from the twisted Merari golem, and its activated ability, sharing all five colors of mana in a powerful effect, is indicative of lingering Merari influence. On the other hand, all mirror were created by Memnarch to act as observers, a sentiment to which Ertet's name may very well be referring. In any case, the mirari itself seems to be missing. For better or worse, its enrapturing whispers have been muted. It lies silent but still pulses with enormous power, awaiting an easily corruptible master to unleash its dark desires. The mirari Artifact from humble beginnings, it uprooted the continent of Otaria and left a trail of devastation that consumed the lives of countless. Wars were fought for its possession, betrayals made in contemptible greed. It spurs desire within every soul, invigorates a lust for power, but its own is uncontainable. It's a light that both attracts and consumes all who stray too close. Thanks so much for watching and listening to this video on the Marari artifact and its impact on Otaria. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on the Mirari, Karn, Kamal, as well as suggestions for future videos in the comments below. And if you're a fan of lore and storytelling, be sure to subscribe to the channel, check out the podcast or the blog, where content is uploaded frequently. I want to thank my amazing supporters over on Patreon, who make all of this possible, and I couldn't do it without their fantastic support. If you'd like to become a lore luminary for access to me, a great community, written scripts, and early video drops, head to patreon.com slash the Lorbarians to learn more. Until next time, go forth and explore the world.